I want you to turn, if you will, to John chapter 9. We're looking at the book of John these days for truth. And uh, I wanted to look at this passage a little different. I know it's, a, it's something that we uh, are very familiar with, but I want to look at it a little different. And I want to do this because I believe that God has laid this message on my heart for such a time as this. You know, uh, we're praying for our church right now, and we're in a transition. But you know, God still wants to do a work. And uh, I don't want to be a hindrance to that. I don't want anyone to be hindered from that. And I want you to know that God has a work planned for this church in this community at this time. And with all that being said, I want to, I want to encourage you about this because sometimes we look uh, for uh, truths that, uh, that are hidden sometimes. They, they're not something we see immediately. For example, uh, how many of you this morning like to praise God? Now, you know, we come to, yeah, we come to church and uh, we praise God. Uh, different people praise God different ways. Can we agree on that? Uh, I like to raise my hand during worship. I do. I like to, you know, raise both hands sometimes, you know. It might, you know, this is the, uh, the runway guy, you know. Uh, we have all kinds of praise signals. Uh, there's some people that this is their praise. And if it's real good, it's okay. It's okay. But what I want to, I want to introduce to you the idea is that we talked about worship last week. But you know praise doesn't just happen in church. And it doesn't happen just in a worship setting. Now I know that you've heard me say that I like to listen to good music when I'm driving. Uh, and because I like to share it with others, I like to roll my windows down when the weather permits and share it with others. That means that it's kind of loud, okay? How many of you like your music loud? I do it somewhat out of necessity. I do wear hearing aids, but I also do it just because I like to feel it. You know what I'm saying? I like that music. I just do. I like, how many of you grew up listening to loud music? And now we're older, we don't like to listen to loud music. I don't know what the deal is with that. But anyway, we grew up listening to loud music. I'm not saying music has to be loud, but I like to worship loud. I'm, a, I'm kind of a quiet, soft-spoken guy, if you haven't noticed, okay? And so when I worship, when I praise, I like to praise loud, okay, and big, all right? But you know, one thing that I want you to see, though, is that praise can happen, and there is power in praise, but praise can happen in everyday events. I mean, in wonderful times when we don't expect praise to happen. I guarantee you, you read this verse, this chapter today, and you look at it, you're going to think, David, uh, yeah, I have never heard it like this. Well, let me just give you a definition we can work with for praise. According to Webster, praise is to glorify a God or saint, which we would say God, especially by the attribution of perfections. In other words, we serve a perfect God, do we not? And he's perfect all the time. His word, we just, the choir just sing about it. His word is perfect. It's complete and it's never changed. I'm so glad we have an immutable God. Well, let me give you one that I, I want to, I want to kind of give you one that I kind of like getting on the bottom shelf for me. When I praise God, I'm giving credit to him for benefits for me by telling others. You understand, I can praise God 
in a normal conversation with somebody without raising my hands, without going, without any of that, and I can still praise God. Let me also say this. When we praise God in those conversations, things happen. They do. And I want you to know that in spite of where you may find yourself today, you and I can praise God for the benefits that he's done for us. Would you think about that with me for a moment? I want to mention some of the benefits. You know, if you think about praise, praise lifts our spirits. How, do we, how many of you like to be around somebody that's all down like this all the time? You guys want to take me to lunch? I'm good. I'm so sad. No, I like to be around people that are uplifting, don't you? I like to laugh. Yeah, I like to have fun. I like to, I like to know that we have a positive spirit. Uh, praise helps us sense God's presence. You know, God's presence is everywhere. At every time, all the time, he never, there's never a place. But the, but the psalmist tells us, he, he, you can never go someplace that God's presence is not. It's, but it breaks it near to us, helps us sense it. It enlarges our perception of God when we praise him. It, it, it helps us understand who really God is. And I think it's important. It reveals solutions. We can't see it. It helps us remember God's blessing. It enlists God's protection. And it also builds faith in Christ when we praise him. Those are just some benefits of praise. Praise is a spiritual weapon that has the capacity to crush our toughest, roughest battles in life. We don't think of it that way. I know the word of God is our offensive weapon. Someone said about recently a sword, it's a, it's a, it cuts. And you should leave here today a little bit by the truth of God that should, should convict you. It should change you. Uh, you don't come here and sit comfortably. Uh, I'm not here, I don't know your situation. P please understand if God brings that to your life, it's him doing it, okay? And it's the word of God, but that's what happens. The purpose of praise is to acknowledge with joy the Lord as our creator and redeemer. Hold your finger at John chapter 9. Turn to Psalm 35. I just want to look at a couple verses. Hold your finger there because we'll come back there. Psalm 35. I want you to look at, uh, at verse 18. Psalm 35, 18. And it says, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation I will praise thee among much people. May I say, we must praise God wherever we find ourselves. Praise should come easy for us. Look at Psalm verse, chapter 40, verse 3. It says, and he hath put a new song. I have a, a message I preach from this passage about that new song that God puts. You know, God likes, I how many of you like singing the old songs? Amen. Troy, I like the old songs. I like the new songs, though, too. I like them all. You say, David, what about this song? I, I, you can't probably, if it's God's word and it's true to Scripture, I'm going to love it, okay? I'm just going to love it. Verse 3 says, put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And notice what happens. Many shall see it. When you praise, it shows. It does. You look different. Your, your, your countenance is different. And fear and shall trust in the Lord. What happens when we praise? I'll tell you, it has a purpose. And, 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 but I want to look here. I want to look in this chapter. It does a wonderful work in our lives. And I want you to see a young man that is changed through his praise. There's a progress. There's a process. You know, did you know that even lost people can praise God? Now, I know you're, some of you are thinking about that statement. 
Well, the Bible tells us that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess who Jesus is. I don't like the idea, to be honest with you, of a lost person having to take my praise position. I don't like the idea of rocks in the hills having to praise God because I won't. So what I'm doing is I'm looking for everyday or regular occurrence, things that God does in the, just the day-to-day life that I can praise in, and this is one. This is a familiar passage, but I want you to see what happens as Jesus passed by. Now, Jesus often would just pass by. Now, when he's passing by, he sees, though. He notices. He's a detailed person. He sees a need. And he said, and he saw a man which was blind from his birth. How did he know that? He's God. Did you know every baby is a gift from God? Did you know a baby is a gift at conception? Did you know while you're in the mother's, while that baby's in the mother's room, God has a plan for that child to accomplish for his purpose? That's why abortion is such a terrible terrible thing and that's why I think it's important you remember Jesus knew that this man was born blind from his birth not because someone had to tell him but because he made him he made him like he was now there are people that want to say well why would God allow that to happen for his own glory God gets glory even from those and his disciples asked him saying master who did sin this man or his parents said he was born blind. Look in verse 3. Jesus neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while his day, the night cometh when no man can work. Let's pray together. Father, bless this time right now. Bless this word. God, thank you for what you put in my heart. God, I pray that I can, I'll just be hidden behind the cross. Set me aside. Speak through your word today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Here's, what, here's the false assumption. The man's born blind and somebody sinned. Bad thing happened, somebody sinned. Either the mom sinned, mom and dad sinned, or the boy sinned. Now, understand the logic of that. How many babies sinned? But I'm talking while they're infants. They don't sin. They're born with a sin nature. But there is a time until the age of accountability where they're not accountable for any wrong that they do. And let me say this. A baby in the womb for sure is not, is not guilty of sin. And there, if he was born, born blind, that means his sin, if it were his, had to happen before he was born. You get what I'm saying? There's no way. What they were trying to do was put together a science project of some sort or some theological question to Jesus that made no sense. It's no sense to think for one moment that someone who was born blind sinned before they were born. But yet that question was asked. Those are the assumption. Good. And the assumption is as good is not always rewarded and bad is not always punished. Let me say that that is true. Not always does that happen, but notice his answer. He said, neither of them have sinned. Verse 4 tells us why. He said he wants, to, he wants God's works to be recognized. In other words, God allows things in lives so that his work can be uh, recognized and accomplished on this, work, on this earth. Do you understand? Jesus was born for a purpose. 
You were born for a purpose. And this blind man was born for a purpose, and that purpose is right here. The second thing, look in verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Not only did he want God's, he wanted to recognize Christ's works, but he wanted to reveal Christ's nature in verse 5. Well, I want you to see what happens in verse 6. I love that it's verse 6. I know that the, the divisions of the Bible are not necessarily, I know the scripture's inspired, but these divisions are put here for our reference and that kind of thing. But look in verse 6. I think it's important. He said, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, I'm not sure how much of you, how many of you are medical personnel? Anybody have, or medical, you have medical background? Raise your hand if you don't mind. Okay, we only have a few. Okay, let me ask you this. Is that a treatment that you would recommend? I mean, let's face it. We would, we would say that is not good. Well, let me remind you. In Genesis 2, 7, we find out that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit made man in the, let us make man in our own image. We find that in 126 in verse 2, 7 of chapter 2. He formed man of what? The dust of the ground. Now you listen to me. God, at verse 6, the number of man, chose to emphasize the man at that moment and his need by using clay to heal. Now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of cool. To think that God would take his own spit, I'm just, that's what the Bible said, I'm not trying to be gross here, and make clay to put on this man's eyes. The very material that this man is made of. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by the interpretation sent. And his, he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. Notice, I want you to notice three truths about the praise of this man. Now, please understand me. You say, well, I don't see him shouting. Let me tell you something. You're going to hear his praise through this whole passage. And it makes quite a difference. Notice, first of all, in verses 1 through 10, we see that his praise reveals his goodness, God's goodness. You understand Christ is good by nature. In verses 6 and 7, we just found out that he said, okay, he made spit mud balls to put on his eyes and told him to go wash, wash, wash in the pool of Siloam. Notice what happens in verse 7. He said he washed and came seen. God's goodness activates our vision. You know, when you really see Jesus for who he is, when you really get acquainted to who, his goodness and what he does, it activates within us a, a vision, a sight that we don't have on our own. There's no way this man could possibly have seen what was coming into his life until he could see because of God's touch on his life. And when God's goodness comes into our life, it activates our vision. Let me tell you something. God is so good. And his goodness activates our vision. Secondly, it alerts our visitors. Look in verses 8 and 9. The neighbors, therefore. <laughs> you got any nosy neighbors? The neighbors, therefore. And they, which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Remember, he was old enough. He was an adult. And he, the, the, the condition of a, of a blind person is, 
they sit and beg alms. They beg and beg. That, that's all. They can't earn a living. They sit and beg. They're in the lowest class of people in that society. And he said, is this not he that sat and begged? Then, then some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Now I want you to see. First of all, we see the neighbors. That means people that were close to him, lived close to him, could look in his backyard. That, that, that's a neighbor that can see when you come in at home in the house and you close the, the garage door. You know, we used to be front porch people here in America. We sat on the front porch and watched cars go by. Oh, so-and-so, yeah, they got a new car. Oh, yeah, yeah, do you hear that new baby? Oh, yeah, we talk about it. Now we go in, close the garage door, and go to our back deck with privacy fence, and we don't even have anything to do with our neighbors. But right here, the neighbors said, and then notice it said, it goes on in that same verse. It says, and they, I don't know who they is, but they had done a lot. You know, they say, you know, that they did this, and oh, they did that. They get blamed for a lot of things. They. And it's not new for us. Even today, we say they said this. Well, who's they? Okay? We don't know, but the Bible says that they said that. And then it goes on and says, some have said. You know, uh, Rumors start so easily. Some say this. Others say that. That's the next word. I want you to see all the words, generic words, thrown out there indicating that these people were totally nosy and confused, and they were alerted to the fact that something was different about the blind man. Did you know something? He said, it's me. That's, I mean, tell you what. And I, I got a feeling. Now, you, you imagine with me for a moment. There on, on YouTube, there are videos of children who hear for the first time by some sort of surgery. They're able to hear for the first, and the joy. There are children that, there are also people that get to see for the first time because of some miraculous uh, uh, health benefit or medical, medical benefit that they've received. And, you know, I've got to believe that this, this man that's now an adult sitting begging when he went and washed in the pool of Siloam, let me tell you something. I don't believe it was washed and said, oh, I can see. That's cool. I don't think that's how it was. I believe he shouted a little bit. I believe he praised a little bit. I believe that praise began to have power in the, and that neighbor saw it. I believe they saw it. I believe some saw it. I believe others saw it. And they said, is it he? And he said, it is me. Now, let me tell you something. It was more than just a change of his sight that changed that day. He didn't get over that, and he began to praise. And, you know, praise can be just a simple word. You can praise God by saying, you know, God did this for me, and people can't argue that. Praise doesn't have to be loud. Praise doesn't have to be in church. Praise doesn't have to be with both hands, hands held up. Praise doesn't have to be, you know, God, praise does not have to be that. Praise can simply be what God did. I am he. And I th so he alerts his neighbor. And then verse 10, you'll notice it argues his condition he says, therefore said unto him, how were thy eyes opened? Now all of a sudden you've got to, you, your praise, it's not good enough that they can see that he's not begging. It's not good enough that he's not bumping into objects as he's walking. It's not good enough that he's not having to be led around by his hand. It's not good enough. How can this be? Let me tell you something. When we praise God, people have to ask, how did it happen? First of all, our praise will reveal his goodness. Secondly, uh, I, think, I think it's an opportunity when he said, how did this happen? It gives an opportunity. You know, there are opportunities all around for us to give praise to God. And you know, you don't, you don't have to do is when they ask, 
that gives you permission to. It's an invitation to say, don't miss that. When they ask, hey, what's going on? Don't miss that. And that's what he didn't miss the opportunity. He said it was me. But his praise also realigns our priorities. Look in verses 11 through 17. And we want to look at verse 11 first. Verse 11 says, he answered and said. Now notice what happened. He said, it is me. He said, I'm going to give you a praise. I'm going to give praise right now. I'm going to pass along what God did for me. I'm going to tell you. You ask if it was me. You ask how it happened. I'm going to tell you in verse 11. He said, he said, a man that is called Jesus made clay. Now, let me say this. That sounds real simple, doesn't it? A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Let me tell you something. He, he told every step. He told exactly what happened. He didn't leave anything out. He didn't add anything. And he said, I received sight. He was praising Jesus with that testimony. Now, let me tell you, I don't think he said it like this. Well, let me tell you. This is how it happened. No, I don't think that happened. I, how many were you if, you, if you had never seen before and God restored your sight, would you be a little excited? I hope you would. Let me tell you something. How many of you were blind one day and now you see? How many of you were lost one day and now you found? How many of you were dead one day and now you're alive? Let me tell you something. When that happens, you change. And I believe he shared it with passion and commitment. I believe it's a simple Accurate, it motivates our testimony. It realigns, when we, when we realign our priority, priorities, we will want to give testimony and motivate us to do that. Look in verse 25, jump over there and said, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know, but one thing I know, that whereas I was what? Blind, now I see. Let me tell you something, he gave a clear testimony and is motivated by the, because his priorities have changed. No longer is he worried about sitting by the side of the road and getting money. No, wonder, no longer was he worried about somebody leading home at night. No longer was his priority such those things. He just wanted to celebrate and praise Jesus. Let me tell you something, it will realign our priority and motivate our testimony. It'll minimize the facts. You know, after you get asked the same question over and over again, pretty soon you get to where you can say it pretty quick and to the point. Look in verse 15. In verse 15, then again, well, let me read down to verse 12. Let's start with verse 12. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. They brought uh, to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. They brought him there, and it was a Sabbath day. And when Jesus, when Jesus made clay and opened his eyes, uh-oh, Sabbath day, broke a rule. Can you imagine doing something good on the day of the Lord? Well, that's, you know, the Sabbath day. Look at verse 15. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I walked and I do see. You know what? People just overcomplicate the gospel. You almost have to have a theological degree nowadays to prove you're saved. You've got to know, you've got to know all the doctrines of sanctification. You've got to have no, I mean, let's face it. We make it so hard sometimes and it's really simple. It really is simple. It's so simple a child can understand it. That's why we have VBS. It's so that children early on, before they're 10, 11, 12, before Satan gets in their life, we want to share the gospel with them and they can understand it and be saved. It's simple. He said, he anointed my eyes with clay, I washed, and now I see. How, David, how do you get saved? I asked Jesus in my heart. Holy Spirit came in, 
forgave me of my sin. I repented. I got saved. Ah, by the way, in case you question, that salvation is forever. It's meaningful. That simple of a thought has that huge of an impact. It causes us to minimize the message. We don't have to take a long time. Some people say, well, David, I just don't believe in this or that. Let me tell you something. You may not, but one day in heaven you will. And it's just brevity of the message. We don't have to be so complicated. Look in verse 17. I want you to see. They say unto the blind man, what sayest thou of him? They're trying to figure it out. Well, back up to verse 16. I skipped one because I... Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. I add that, that vocal inflection. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? Let me say, duh, they can't. Look in verse, six, uh, verse uh, 17. They say to the blind man, again, what sayest thou of him that he opened thy eyes? He said, he is a prophet. Now, I want you to notice something. The guy's getting closer. Can we give him credit? But let me say this. He's still praising God, isn't he? I want you to see the progression of his faith, his walk of faith, and find out who he is. I want you to see the progression because you may be here this morning, and you're in one of these steps of progression to find out who really Jesus is and really get your praise the way it should be. You know, God's going to receive honor from even lost people. Did you know that? Because he is doing, he's got in control of this whole earth. Did you know there's not a thing going on that God doesn't know about and allow? Nothing has surprised, nothing has surprised God. And we need to understand that. But notice what, first of all, in verse 11, he calls him a man called Jesus. All he sees, all he heard, he never saw him. All he heard was a man called Jesus. He heard him speak to him, said, hey, go wash. Let me say this. What do you have to lose, Right? So a man called, he said a man called Jesus. Verse 16, they said he's not of God. That confused him. He said, well, how can he, I mean, then if he's not of God, then he's a prophet. You'll notice in verse 17, he's a prophet. But look in verses 30 through 33, and I want to read those. We'll get to those in a moment for another point. But the man answered and said to them, why, herein is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. He said, you don't know where he came from, but yet he's able to do this. Uh, do you sense the sarcasm here? I sense sarcasm. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and he doth doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. I want you to see, he called him a man. He said he's, he, he, he was silent when he said they're not of God. He said he's a prophet. And finally in verse 30 through 33, he said he's got to be of God. In order for this to happen, he's got to be of God. He's seeing it. He's beginning to bring it on. And he's still praising. That is a praise to God right there. He's praising him. Look in verses 35 through 38 because this really changes in. In verses 35 through 38, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. We'll go back to that in a moment. Excommunicated him, and we had found him. He said, <laughs> I love this. He said, dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? You don't think God's doing a work on this man? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, 
now. And it is he that talketh with thee. And in verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe. I want everyone in this, this room right now, would you do this with me? Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, I believe. Those have got to be the sweetest words to be heard by Jesus at this moment. Because, see, Lord means master, savior. He's given him already, he's already recognizing, oh, he didn't see him till this moment. Jesus found him. And he's saying, Lord, I believe. I want you to, that progression is so very, very important. And I know in a crowd this size, there are people on different phases of that progression with dealing with Jesus in their life. He may not be the Lord of your life. By the way, he will not be anything less than your Lord. The preeminence of Christ, he's got to be number one in your life. Lord, I believe. First of all, his praise, his praise reveals God's goodness. Secondly, it realigns our priorities and his praise regenerates our faith. Look in verse 25. It facilitates our awareness. Verse 25, we already read it, but let's look at it again. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. You know, I'm so glad that I can remember a day in my life when I was blind. I was blind to the goodness of God. I was blind to the priorities that need to change in my life. I was blinded by Satan, and there was a day when I said, Lord, I believe, and I received my spiritual sight. I know that physically he was already seen, but his spiritual sight was developing. His spiritual sight was growing as he learned more about the, this wonderful Lord that had been dealing with him. And even though he was given testimony and praise to who Jesus was prior to this moment of Lord, I believe, I know this, that praise brought power in his life to change him. And let me say this, all the neighbors noticed there was such a change in this man. There wasn't just the change of his sight, but there was a confidence in his, his heart that he could defend who Jesus is. And it brought an awareness that, hey, I don't understand everything. I don't know every theological fact, but I know this, I once was blind, but now I see. And it made him aware that he that it brought, brought an awareness of his need and his, his, uh, his, the faith that needed to grow in his life. And I'm so glad. I don't know if you remember the day the Holy Spirit convicted your heart. I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit convicts, there's no mistake, no mistaking about it. There's no doubt about it. Even today, I guarantee you, there's some that are saying, Brother David, I, I sense that in my heart something's not right with God. When you have that sensation, that conviction in your heart, I want you to know that's the Holy Spirit that's making you aware of your need. I want, I want you to see this. He regenerates our faith by facilitating our awareness. Then he weaponizes our boldness. In verses 30 through 33, he made it very clear. Look in verse 33. We'll end up, we've already read this, but if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. You know, it's, it's cool whenever you can take on people's doubts, people's lack of faith, people's lifestyles with faith in Jesus and what he's already done. Did you know that it gives me boldness to know what God did for me? 
It gives me boldness when I see what God does in other people's lives. And what happens is he, it becomes a weapon that we can use, not a bad weapon, but it's like the Word of God accompanied with the Holy Spirit that we can talk to somebody and the Holy Spirit moves on their life and they can be saved. They're brought to the point of awareness of Christ. And we, we can use it as a spiritual weapon against the devil and against what they're caught up in. I want you to see he used sarcasm. Then he, verse 34 tells us that as soon as he said that, he was cast out. Now let me say this. As soon as you identify who Jesus is in your life and what he's done for you, you may be cast out. You may be cast aside. You may be forming some enemies. You may get some folks that are that have, uh, kind of against you. But when you focus on the truth, when you focus on the truth that there is power in your, in your uh, praise as you praise him, God will always be there with you. He will seek you out and he will find you. Notice it weaponizes our boldness. And thirdly, it solidifies our Savior in verse 38. You've, we've already seen it. I want to see it again. I believe and he, what? Worshiped him. Now, <clears throat> I don't know how difficult it would be for you but it would be difficult, can I be honest with you, even in that situation, for me to bow myself to another man named Jesus. If he, his relationship to Jesus was what it started out to be, he was a man named Jesus, if it was still there, he could not have worshipped him. Do you not see that Jesus spoke truth at that moment, in verses 37, he said, verse 37, he says, And Jesus, thou hast both seen him, and is he that talketh with thee. When Jesus identifies himself to you and to me, our immediate response is, Lord, I believe, and we worship him. I love it. The, the power of the praise of this man that started with just revealing the goodness of God, Realigning his priorities and then regenerated his faith. That's wonderful truth to behold. Now, does your truth, let me ask you this, does your truth cause you to see God's goodness? Does your praise truthfully, does your praise truthfully cause you to see God's goodness in your life? We pray sometimes in church. How many of you get excited with good music? But let me say this. What about just talking to people? Can you be truthfully excited about who Jesus is, just talking to people in the day-to-day -day conversation? What about, what about your priorities? Have you decided that, hey, if Jesus is who he said he is and I want to praise him, I'm going to change my priorities. I'm going to be different than I have been. And thirdly, it, how about your faith? Is it regenerating? Is it cause you to have more faith? You know, our faith can grow. We have saving faith, but we then have growing faith that continues to grow. The Bible says if we have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. Let me say, we need more faith in our life. We need to live by faith. There are three points I want to make and I want to bring home. First of all, he prays before he understood. The problem with us nowadays is we're smart. We have a lot of resources for information. And we tend to think, and I've met people that said, when I understand, I will be saved. No, you won't. Because you'll never understand. 
Our praise must begin and continue even when we don't understand. How many times have you been in a situation in your life, even as a believer, let alone as a lost person, that you just didn't understand? Anybody been in that? Did you know our praise gives us power through that situation? So he praised with, even though he didn't understand. Thirdly, his praise calls others to see. A blind man, all his life, he's an adult, blind from his birth, through his praise, calls neighbors, others, some, to see the change in his life. When you and I praise, it draws attention to Jesus and causes them to see. And his praise led him and others, I believe, to faith. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Verse 10. That at the name of Jesus... A man called whom? Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm alerting you. I'm, I want to make sure you understand that all of us one day will give praise to Jesus. Where do you stand right now? We're in that progression of this blind man in his walk to faith with Christ and accept him as Savior. Where are you? I dare say that here in this congregation today, there are those that don't know Christ as Savior, have not come face to face and said, Lord, I believe. And I wonder, are you willing today, with the power of the Holy Spirit convicting you, are you willing today to say, I will make you Lord? I see and I hear you now. God, will you come into my life? Let's all, every head bowed and every eye closed.